Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, today joined by Makonia Maja. Today we're going to be looking into some trouble with the EFF and the State of the Nation Address, the IMF and its growth forecast for South Africa, and COPs and why South Africa doesn't trust them. So let's start on our first story. Last year we covered Parliament handing down a short but still meaningful suspension to a number of senior members of the EFF, which included uh, MP Ntlozi, MP Malema, and Floyd, MP Floyd Shavambu, uh, for their conduct in disrupting the State of the Nation address in 2023 when they attempted to storm the stage while President Ramaphosa was speaking. Well, um, as a result of the suspension and the fact that it took so long to sort of decide on, uh, it happened, their suspension now goes over the opening of Parliament and the State of the Nation address, which means that this year, according to Parliament, the senior leadership of the EFF will not be able to attend. They were very unhappy about this, of course, and they took it to court. However, the Western Cape High Court has struck off the roll the EFF's urgent application to force Parliament to allow the EFF leadership to attend the SONA and also hit them with a cost order on Tuesday. So, not great for them. Um, McCorney, you know, I was recently reading a little bit about the history of parliaments across time and, and place, and it strikes me that there is something really important about making sure that the rules of parliament are followed. Um, what do you make of this story? Mm, I would agree with you there on the importance of, of parliaments, especially on one of the greatest speeches of the year that we generally receive from the president, the State of the Nation address. Um, quite conflicting for me, this judgment. Uh, I saw that it was a mixed bag of judgments too. Uh, there was another judge who argued that these are complex constitutional matters that are being argued here and it should not just be thrown out flippantly. And I'd say there's a great case to be made for that, right? Do we really want the presence of um, people dressed in soldier garb, uh, manhandling members of parliament no but equally do we want members of of parliament disrupting year after year i mean it's, it's kind of been a long time coming that there would be some consequences on the senior members of the eff for their um general behavior in every other state of nation address for the last 10 years or so so in a way it's, it's been a long time coming but i do worry that there are significant constitutional matters um complex matters that are not being addressed in in the judgment. But I also, Nick, do you do you think that this will actually curb and stop the disruptions by the EFF just because the three members, three very senior members of uh, of Parliament of the EFF will be expelled, or do you not do you not think this will, if anything, exacerbate the the disturbances from the rest of the EFF caucus? So I don't really see how it could exacerbate it unless the EFF literally starts throwing Molotov cocktails and firing guns in the house. Um, so I think it'll probably be exactly the same as last year, except you just won't have those members there. They'll maybe be in the public gallery or something like that. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how, how they're going to uh, work it. But, you know, there's inevitably going to be another disruption this time. Um, but I do think symbolically it is important to kind of uphold a sort of standard. You know, I agree with you completely that uh, when you start excluding MPs from things, it can be very, it can be abused. Um, in this case, though, I think there's clear evidence that it is not being abused, considering that the, the what the EFF did at the last SONA. Um, so, yeah, uh, 
you know, <laughs> will this make a big difference? Not in the short term, no. We're almost certainly going to see disruption again. But in my opinion, it's important to uphold this principle to kind of set this norms and standards. And if there is another disruption, then there should be another disciplinary case and it should be judged on the merits of whatever happens. And if once again there's a breach, another sanction should be implied. And that should just keep on happening until there's compliance with the rules. Also, quite frankly, the EFSS voters, I think, should punish them for this stuff because it's not up helping anyone's democracy or really anything, particularly of how transparently a stunt this stuff is uh, when it comes yeah. to Parliament. I think it has lost its its novelty. It's now predictable every like other it, year. Exactly. And, and what makes it even more cynical is that um, the EFF will only wear their... Uh, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but I know definitely when they started in Parliament, they would only wear their sort of overalls and, and made uniforms. Costumes. When they knew, Halloween yeah, costumes. Their Halloween costumes when they knew there was going to be a lot of TV audience. And actually they would wear more sort of stylish or formal clothes when it was like not an exciting time in Parliament, which I think just kind of shows the cynicism involved. Uh, anyway, let us move on to our next story. And this is, I think, one that comes as no surprise, but it's still not great news. And that is that the International Monetary Fund, which uh, estimates the economic growth for every country in the world, has downgraded South Africa's forecasted growth. This year, it was they were originally projecting 1.8% growth. They've downgraded that to 1%. Um, and uh, there are many reasons for this, but the big one is, of course, load shedding, which they say is continuing to disrupt the economy and needs urgent reforms in order to solve. At the same time, South Africa has also scored its lowest ever score on the Corruption Perceptions Index, which is one of the most commonly used corruption indexes in the world. Um, we are one of the 23 countries that have sunk to their lowest level, placing it in the category of flawed democracy. Makore, what do you make of the IMF's call here? I always wonder when the IMF or other rating agencies like Moody's or S&P put out their ratings, what sort of conjecture, like the conjecture goes on in my mind of what sort of response we will get from the ANC. And I I think I may be speculating here, but that this will be spun as like, you know, how they've been anticipating that there'll be backlash from the West over this whole Israel-Palestine conflict. I think this will be def- this will definitely be uh, one of the weapons in the ANC's arsenal for dismissing the very genuine and sincere concerns of the IMF. What genuine moves have been made toward prosecuting um people who have been implicated in state capture. I mean, there's two big failed cases, and that would be the failure to extradite the Guptas and the, the Coco Madele case, which just did not hold up in court. Other than that, there's really been no concerted effort at even getting us off the gray list, right? If anything, you'd, you've actually seen us go further and further, deepening our, our gray on the 50 shades of gray spectrum, just deepening our stripes as, as being more more gray, being more implicated in things that would um, continue to place us on that, on that gray list. Uh, I'm not surprised I do as I said to you before the show, that the, the the downgrading out of the category of of democratic to flawed democracy and this particular low score is about 10 years too late. This stuff has been going on. But you so rightly pointed out that this is um, 
generally surveying experts and other people in the country, important people, probably in the financial sector in the country, that's whose um, scores we are seeing reflected there in that overall score that's uh, granted to a country at the end of the day. But I still think a lot of the stuff could have been, a lot of the downgrading could have been done years, years prior, even, even five years prior instead of just 10. No, I, I think that some of that is definitely 100% true. Um, and, you know, there's a sort of weird perception out there amongst some that, well, you know, economic growth is somehow going to turn around in the next few years. But why? We're continuing down the path of ever yet more destructive policies. There's no sort of turnaround from government. And if we keep going down this path of not prosecuting people who are obviously uh, you know, guilty of corruption and not changing the economic policy except to make it more anti-business and anti-wealth, then why should it turn around? It's a sort of bizarre idea that economic growth is going to pick up uh, in the next couple of years, which I think is just not really based in reality. Okay, let us go on to our last story for today. And this is kind of depressing for how common this story is. So a the police on Tuesday arrested three men for impersonating police officers in Ekurileni who will face charges of impersonating a police officer and unlawful possession of firearms. Members of the Brackendown police were patrolling along the R59 on Tuesday when they noticed a suspicious-looking BMW with blue lights on it. The vehicle was stopped and the three occupants were found in possession of six firearms included an AK-47 rifle and a shotgun. Apparently the vehicle was even a rental vehicle, um, which is, you know, the goal of that, of, <laughs> of getting a, a rental vehicle and then using that to try and, uh, to, you know, commit crimes with. Um, but this is not an unusual story. There have been numerous stories of the so-called blue light gangs, people who impersonate police. Um, in fact, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, sometimes the police have even said that people driving along the road, if they see a car with lights, the sort of blue lights that isn't obviously a police vehicle following them, um, and they're unsure, then they should drive to the nearest police station. It's no wonder that South Africans don't trust the cops. People have also started using these blue lights as a sort of personal security measure to, I guess, gain access um, undisturbed access to the highways uh, but yeah it, it's really concerning like you said there's a lot of distrust for the police generally in South Africa and this is the one exception I would say where it's not warranted where it's not by their own doing and it truly is a frightening uh, uh, matter to think of being followed by somebody you perceive as, a, as an honest citizen to be the police only to get the shock of your life. And you actually see in the article that those guns are laid out. I, I believe the guns that are displayed in the, in the article are to be the ones that were found when these people were apprehended. But you see how heavily armed these men are. It makes you wonder what, it, what notorious activities they were they were up to apart from just the blue lights but up to and including the possession of those firearms themselves but yeah truly a case of brazen lawlessness which we're seeing become more and more brazen as as just rife lawlessness continues exactly and you know one of the reasons i think why people are intimidated by these things and why as you say people are just abusing them to get access on highways and things is uh that um you know our government senior level uh, at senior levels government officials abuse blue light convoys all the time 
to drive recklessly on our roads. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you found the show interesting. We will be back tomorrow with the Daily Friend Wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you.